Hey guys, it's Mrs. Wagers, and we're, get, we're getting ready to start chapter three. I hope everybody had a really good weekend and got to go outside um, some, at, at some point during the weekend. I'm really missing all of you, and I wish that we could read this together in the classroom. Um, I'm still working on a way to, to watch the movie together when I'm done reading the book. I would love an old-fashioned drive-in type. Um, where we could all just, you and your families come in your cars and we could all just stay in our cars and just watch the movie on, um, a big screen. So I will be working on that and that may not happen, but that is what I would love, um, to be able to share with you guys. All right, let's get started. Chapter three. After the movie was over, it suddenly came to us that Cherry and Marsha didn't have a way to get home. Tubit gallantly offered to walk them home. The west side of town was only about 20 miles away, but they wanted to call their parents and have them come and get them. Tubit finally talked them into letting us drive them home in his car. I think they were still half scared of us. They were getting over it, though, as we walked to Tubit's house to pick up his car. It seemed funny to me that Socha's, if these girls were any example, were just like us. They liked the Beatles and thought Elvis Presley was out. And we thought the Beatles were rank and that Elvis was tough. But that seemed the only difference to me. Of course, greasy girls would have acted a lot tougher. But there was a basic sameness. I thought maybe it was money that separated us. No, Cherry said slowly when I said this. It's not just money. Part of it is, but not all of, you, not all of it. You greasers have a different set of values. You're more emotional. We're sophisticated. Cool to the point of not feeling anything. Nothing is real with us. You know, sometimes I'll catch myself talking to a girlfriend and realize that I don't mean half of what I'm saying. I don't really think a beer blast on the river bottom is super cool, but I'll rave about one to a girlfriend just to be saying something. She smiled at me. I never told anyone that. I think you're the first person I've really gotten through to. She was coming through to me all right, probably because I was a greaser and younger, and she didn't have to keep her guard up with me. Rat race is the perfect name for it, she said. We're always going and going and going and never asking where. Did you ever hear of having more than what you wanted so that you couldn't want anything else? And then you started looking for something else to want. It seems like we're always searching for something to satisfy us and never finding it. Maybe if we could lose our cool, we could. That was the truth. Socias were always behind a wall of aloofness, careful not to let their real selves show through. I had seen a social club rumble once. The socials even fought coldly and practically and impersonally. That's why we're separated, I said. It's not money. It's feeling. You don't feel anything, and we feel too violently. And she was trying to hide a smile. That's probably why we take turns getting our names in the paper. Tubit and Marsha weren't even listening to us. They were engaged in some wild conversation that made no sense to anyone but themselves. I have quite a rep for being quiet, almost as quiet as Johnny. Tubit always said he wondered why Johnny and I were such good buddies. You must make such interesting conversation, he'd say, cocking an eyebrow. You keeping your mouth shut and Johnny not saying anything. But Johnny and I understood each other without saying anything. Nobody but Soda could really get me talking until I met Cherry Valance. I don't know why I could talk to her. Maybe for the same reason she could talk to me. And the first thing I knew, I was telling her about Mickey Mouse, Soda's horse. I had never told anyone about Soda's horse. It was personal. Soda had this buckskin horse, only it wasn't his. It belonged to a guy who kept it at the stables where Soda used to work. 
Mickey Mouse was Soda's horse, though. The first day Soda saw him, he said, there's my horse, and I never doubted it. I was about 10 then. Soda Pop is horse crazy. I mean it. He's always hanging around stables and rodeos and hopping on a horse every time he gets the chance. When I was 10, I thought Mickey Mouse and Soda looked alike and were alike. Mickey Mouse was a dark gold buckskin, sassy and ornery, not much more than a colt. He'd come when Soda called him. He wouldn't come for anyone else. That horse loves Soda. He'd stand there and chew on Soda's sleeve and collar. Gosh, but Soda Pop was crazy about that horse. He went down to see him every day. Mickey Mouse was a mean horse. He kicked other horses and was always getting into trouble. I got me an ornery pony, so to, so to tell him, rubbing his neck. How come you're so mean, Mickey Mouse? And Mickey Mouse would just chew on his sleeve and sometimes nip him, but not hard. He may have belonged to another guy, but he was Soda's horse. Does Soda still have him? Cherry asked. He got sold, I said. They came and got him one day and took him off. He was a real valuable horse, pure quarter. She didn't say anything else, and I was glad. I couldn't tell her that Soda had bawled all night long after they came and got Mickey Mouse. I had cried, too, if you want to know the truth, because Soda never really wanted anything except for a horse, and he'd lost his. Soda had been 12 then, going on 13, and he never let on to Mom and Dad how he felt, because we never had enough money, and usually we had a hard time making ends meet. When you're 13 in our neighborhood, you know the score. So I kept saving my money for a year, thinking that someday I could buy Mickey Mouse back for soda. You're not so smart at 10. You read a lot, don't you, Pony Boy? Cherry asked. I was startled. Yeah? Why? She kind of shrugged. I could just tell. I'll bet you watch sunsets, too. She was quiet for a minute after I nodded. I used to watch them, too, before I got so busy. I pictured that, or I tried to. Maybe Cherry stood still and watched the sunset while she was supposed to be taking the garbage out. Stood still and watched and forgot everything else until her big brother screamed at her to hurry up. I shook my head. It seemed funny to me that the sunset she saw from her patio and the one that I saw from my back steps was the same one. Maybe the two different worlds we lived in weren't so different. We saw the same sunset. Marcia suddenly gasped. <gasps> Cherry, look what's coming. We all looked and saw a blue Mustang coming down the street. Johnny made a small noise in his throat, and when I looked at him, he was white. Marcia was shifting nervously. What are you going to do? Cherry bit a fingernail. Stand here, she said. There isn't much else we can do. Who is it? Tubit asked. The FBI? No, Cherry said bleakly. It's Randy and Bob. And, Tubit added grimly, a few other of the socially elite checkered shirts set. Your boyfriend's? Johnny's voice was steady. But standing as close to him as I was, I could tell that he was trembling, and I wondered why. Johnny was a nervous wreck, but he never was that jumpy. Cherry started walking down the street. Maybe they won't see us. Act normal. Who's acting? Tubit grinned. I'm a natural normal. I wish it were the other way around, I muttered, and Tubit said, don't you get mouthy, pony boy. The Mustang passed us slowly and went right on by. Marcia sighed in relief. Well, that was close. Cherry turned to me. Tell me about your oldest brother. You don't talk about him much. I tried to think of something to say about Derry, and I shrugged. What's to talk about? He's big and handsome, and he likes to play football. I mean, what's he like? I feel like I know Soda from the way that you talk about him. Tell me about Derry. And when I was silent, she urged me on. Is he wild and reckless like Soda, dreamy like you? My face got hot as I bit my lip. Derry was, what was Derry like? He's... I started to say he was a good old guy, but I couldn't, and I burst out bitterly. 
He's not like Soda Pop at all, and he sure ain't like me. He's hard as a rock and about as human, and he's got eyes exactly like frozen ice. He thinks I'm a pain in the neck. He likes soda. Everybody likes soda, but he can't stand me, and I bet he wishes he could stick me in a home somewhere, and he'd do it, too, if Soda let him. Tubit and Johnny were staring at me now. No, Tubit said, dumbfounded. No, Pony Boy, that ain't right. You got it wrong. Gee, Johnny said softly. I thought you and Darian and Soda got along real well. Well, we don't, I snapped, feeling silly. I knew my ears were red by the way that they were burning, and I was thankful for the darkness. I felt stupid. Compared to Johnny's home, mine was heaven. At least Derry didn't get drunk and beat me up or run me out of the house, and I had soda pop to talk things over with, and that made me mad. I mean, make it a fool of myself in front of everyone, and you could shut your trap, Johnny K, because we all know you ain't wanted at home either, and we, you can't blame them. Johnny's eyes went round as he winced as though I had belted him and two bits slapped me a good one across the side of the head and hard. You shut your mouth, kid. If you wasn't Soda's kid brother, I'd beat the tar out of you. You know better than to talk to Johnny like that. And he put his hand on Johnny's shoulder. He didn't mean it, Johnny. I'm sorry, I said miserably. Johnny was my buddy. I was just mad. It's the truth, Johnny said with a bleak grin. I don't care. You shut up talking like that, Tubit said fiercely, messing up Johnny's hair. We couldn't get along without you, so you can just shut up. What well, ain't fair, I cried passionately. It ain't fair that we have all the rough breaks. I didn't know exactly what I meant, but I was thinking about Johnny's father being a drunk and his mother a selfish slob and Tubit's mother being a barmaid to support him and his kid sister after their father ran out on them and Dally, wild, cunning Dally, turning into a hoodlum because he'd die if he didn't. And Steve, his hatred for his father coming out in his soft, bitter voice and the violence of his temper. Soda pop, a dropout so he could get a job and keep me in school. And Derry, getting old before his time, trying to run a family and hold on to two jobs and never having any fun. While the socials had so much spare time and money that they jumped us and each other for kicks, had beer blast and river bottom parties because I didn't know what else to do. Things were rough all over, all right, all over the east side. And it just didn't seem right to me. I know, Tubit said with a good-natured grin. The chips are always down when it's our turn, but that's the way things are. Like it or lump it. Cherry and Marsha didn't say anything. I guess they didn't know what to say. We'd forgotten that they were even there. And then the blue Mustang was coming down the street again, more slowly. Well, Cherry said resignedly, they've spotted us. The Mustang came to a halt beside us, and the two boys in the front seat got out. There were socials, all right. One had on a white shirt and a madras ski jacket, and the other had a light yellow shirt and a wine-colored sweater. I looked at their clothes, and I realized for the first time that evening, all I had on was a pair of jeans and Soda's old sweatshirt with the sleeves cut short. I swallowed. Tubit started to tuck in his shirt tail, but he stopped himself in time. He just slipped up the collar of his black leather jacket and lit a cigarette. The socials didn't even seem to see us. Cherry, Marsha, listen to us, the handsome black-haired soch with the dark sweater said. Johnny was breathing heavily, and I noticed he was staring at the Sosha's hand. He was wearing three heavy rings, and I looked quickly at Johnny, an idea dawning on me, and I remember that it was a blue Mustang that had pulled up beside the vacant lot, and that Johnny's face had been cut up by someone wearing rings. The Sosha's voice broke into my thoughts, just because we got a little drunk last time. Cherry looked mad. A little? You call reeling and passing out in the streets a little? Bobby told you I am never going out with you while you are drinking, and I mean it. Too many things could happen while you're drunk. It's me or the booze. The other soch, a tall guy with a semi-beetle haircut, turned to Marcia. Baby, you know we don't get drunk very often. 
And when she gave him a cold stare, he got angry. And even if you are mad at us, that's no reason to go walk in the streets with these bums. Tubit took a long drag on a cigarette. Johnny slouched and hooked his thumbs in his pockets, and I stiffened. We can look meaner than anything when we want to. Looking tough comes in handy. Tubit put his elbows on Johnny's shoulder. His elbow on Johnny's shoulder. Who you call them bums? Listen, greasers. We got four more of us in the back seat. Well, then pity the back seat. Tubit said to the sky. If you're looking for a fight, Tubit cocked an eyebrow, but it only made him look more cool. You mean if I'm looking for a good jumpin'? You outnumber us, so you'll give it to us? Well, and he snatched up an empty bottle. He busted off the end of it, and he gave it to me, and then reached into his back pocket and flipped out a switchblade. Try it, pal. No, Cherry cried. Stop it. She looked at Bob. We'll ride home with you. Just wait a minute. Why, Tubit demanded. We ain't scared of them. Cherry shuddered. I can't stand fights. I just can't stand them. I pulled her to one side. I couldn't use this, I said, dropping the pot bottle. I couldn't ever cut anyone. I had to tell her that because I'd seen her eyes when Tubit flicked it out a switch. I know, she said quietly, but we better go with them. Pony boy, I mean, if I see you in the hall or at school or someplace and I don't say hi, well, it's not personal or anything, but I know, I said. We couldn't let our parents see us with you all. You're a nice boy and everything. It's okay, I said, wishing I was dead and buried somewhere, or at least that I had on a decent shirt. We aren't in the same class. But just don't forget that some of us watch the sunsets, too. She looked at me quickly. I could fall in love with Dally Winston, she said. And I hope I never see him again, or I will. She left me standing there with my mouth dropped open and that blue Mustang roomed off. We walked on home, mostly in silence, and I wanted to ask Johnny if those were the same socials that had beat him, beaten him up. But I didn't mention it. Johnny never talked about it, and we never said anything. Well... Those were two good-looking girls if I ever saw any. Tubit yawned as we sat down on the curb at the vacant lot. He took a piece of paper out of his pocket and tore it up. What was that? Marsha's number. Probably a phony one, too. I must have been out of my mind to ask for it. I think I'm a little soused. So he had been drinking. Tubit was smart. He knew the score. Y'all going home, he asked. Not right now, I said. I want to have another smoke and to watch the stars. I had to be in by 12, but I thought I had plenty of time. I don't know why I handed you that busted bottle, Tubit said, getting to his feet. You'd never use it. Maybe I would have, I said. Where are you headed? Gonna go play a little snooker and hunt up a poker game. Maybe get rip-worn drunk. I don't know. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Johnny and I stretched out on our backs and looked up at the stars. I was freezing. It was a cold night and all I had on with that was that sweatshirt, but I could watch stars in sub-zero weather. I saw Johnny's cigarette glowing in the dark and I wondered vaguely, what was it like? inside of a burning ember. It's because we're greasers, Johnny said, and I knew he was talking about Cherry. We could have hurt her reputation. I reckon, I said, wondering if I ought to tell Johnny what she had said about Dallas. And that was a tough car. Mustangs are tough. Big time socials, all right, I said, a nervous bitterness growing inside of me. It wasn't fair for the socials to have everything. We were as good as they, they were. It wasn't our fault that we were greasers. I couldn't just take it or leave it like two-bit or ignore it and love life anyway like soda pop or harden myself beyond caring like Dally or actually enjoy it like Tim Shepard. I felt the tension growing inside of me and I knew something had to happen or I would explode. I can't take much more. Johnny spoke my own feelings. I'll kill myself or something. Don't, I said, sitting up in alarm. You can't kill yourself, Johnny. Well, I won't. But I got to do something. It seems like there's got to be some place without greasers or socias with just people, plain ordinary people. 
out of the big towns, I said, lying back down in the country, in the country. I loved the country. I wanted to be out of towns and away from excitement. And I only wanted to lie on my back under a tree and read a book or draw a picture and not worry about being jumped or carrying a blade or ending up married some scatterbrained broad with no sense. The country would be like that. I thought dreamily. I would have a yellow cur dog like I used to and Soda Pop could get Mickey Mouse back and ride in all the rodeos that he wanted to and Derry would lose that cold, hard look and be like he used to be eight months ago before mom and dad were killed. And since I was dreaming, I brought mom and dad back to life. Mom could bake some more chocolate cakes and dad would drive the pickup out early to feed the cattle. He would slap Derry on the back and tell him he was getting to be a man, a regular chip off the old block and they would be as close as they used to be. Maybe Johnny could come and live with us and the gang could come out on the weekends and maybe Dallas would see that there was some good in the world after all. And mom would talk to him and make him grin in spite of himself. You're quite, a, you've got quite a mom. Dally used to say she knows the score. She could talk to Dallas and keep him from getting into a lot of trouble. My mother was golden and beautiful. Pony boy. Johnny was shaking me. Hey, pony, wake up. I sat up shivering. The stars had moved. Glory. What time is it? I don't know. I went to sleep too, listening to you rattle on and on. You better get home. I think I'll stay all night out here. Johnny's parents didn't care if he came home or not. Okay, I yawned. Gosh, but it was cold. If you get cold or something, come on over to our house. Okay. I ran home, trembling at the thought of facing Deary. The porch light was on. Maybe they were asleep and I could sneak in, I thought. I peeked in the windows and Soda Pop was stretched out on the sofa, sound asleep. But Deary was in the armchair under the lamp, reading the newspaper. I gulped and opened the door slowly. Derry looked up from his paper. He was on his feet in a second, and I stood there chewing on my fingernail. Where the heck have you been? Do you know what time it is? He was madder than I had seen him in a long time, and I shook my head wordlessly. Well, it's two in the morning, kiddo. Another hour, and I would have had the police out after you. Where were you, pony boy? His voice was rising. Where in the almighty universe were you? It sounded dumb even to me when I stammered. I, I went to sleep in the lot. You what? He was shouting and Soda Pop sat up and rubbed his eyes. Hey, Pony Boy, he said sleepily. Where you been? I didn't mean to, I pleaded with Derry. I was talking to Johnny and we both dropped off. And I reckon it never occurred to you that your brothers might be worrying their heads off and afraid to call the police because something like this could get you two thrown in a boy's home so quick that it would make your head spin and you were asleep in the lot? Pony Boy, what on earth is the matter with you? Can't you use your head? You haven't even got a coat on. I felt hot tears of anger and frustration rising. I said I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to, Derry shouted, and I almost shook. I didn't think. I forgot that's all I hear out of you. Can't you think of anything? Derry, said a pop began, but Derry turned on him. You keep your trap shut. I am sick of hearing you stick up for him. He should never yell at Soda. Nobody should ever holler at my brother, and I exploded. You don't yell at him, I shouted, and Derry wheeled around, and he slapped me so hard that it knocked me against the door, and suddenly it was deathly quiet. We had all frozen. Nobody in my family had ever hit me. Nobody. Soda was wide-eyed. Derry looked at the palm of his hand where it had turned red, and then looked back at me, and his eyes were huge. Pony boy, I turned and I ran out the door and down the street as fast as I could. And Derry screamed, Pony, I didn't mean to. But I was at the lot by then and I pretended I couldn't hear him. And I was running away. It was plain to me that Derry didn't want me around and I wouldn't stay if he did. He wasn't ever going to hit me again. 
Johnny, I called and I started when he rolled over and jumped up almost underneath my feet. Come on, Johnny, we're running away. Johnny asked no questions and we ran for several blocks until we were out of breath. And then we walked and I was crying by then. And I finally just sat down on the curb and I cried, burying my face in my arms. Johnny sat down beside me, one hand on my shoulder. Easy, pony boy, he said softly. We'll be okay. I finally calmed down and I wiped my eyes on my bare arm. My breath was coming in quivering sobs. You got a cigarette? He handed me one and struck a match. Johnny, I'm scared. Well, don't be. You're scaring me. What happened? I've never seen you ball like that. I don't very often. It was Derry. He hit me. I don't know what happened, but I couldn't take him hollering at me and hitting me too. I don't know. Sometimes we get along okay, and then all of a sudden he blows up on me or else is nagging me all the time. He didn't used to be like that. He used to, We used to get along okay before mom and dad died, and now he just can't stand me. I think I like it better when the old man's hitting me, Johnny sighed. At least then I know he knows who I am. I walk in that house and nobody says anything. I walk out and nobody says anything. I stay away all night and nobody notices. At least you got soda. I ain't got nobody. Shoot, I said, startled out of my misery. You got the whole gang. Dally didn't even slug you tonight because you're the gang pet. I mean, golly, Johnny, you got the whole gang. Well, it ain't the same as having your own folks care about you, Johnny said simply. It just isn't the same. I was beginning to relax, and I wonder if running away was such a great idea, and I was sleepy and freezing to death, and I wanted to go home and to bed, be safe and warm under the covers with Soda's arm across me, and I decided I would go home and just not speak to Derry. It was my house as much as Derry's, and if he wanted to pretend I wasn't alive, that was just fine with me. He couldn't stop me from living in my own house. Let's walk to the park and back. Then maybe I'll be cooled off enough to go home. Okay, Johnny said easily. Okay. Things got to get better, I figured. They couldn't get worse. I was wrong.